since the latter part of last year into this year on Wednesday evenings we've been tackling cultural war issues from time to time we'll get into a couple of these uh, this evening we'll start off with the handout that uh, you see um, when you look at praise teams and choirs and solos that are practiced uh, in religious groups throughout our land that, in, that itself is a cultural issue because it stems from entertainment and so entertainment is a cultural uh, war issue and our our job is to insulate ourselves from things that can take us away from God, but not isolate ourselves to where we can't be an influence in the world. So we're looking for insulation, but not isolation. So thank you, uh, Brother Paul, for helping us to get right to this issue. Um, Sunday night you brought up a couple things, so we just thought we'd take advantage of that. I don't really want to stay. I've got another cultural war issue that I want to discuss as well. So what we'll do, we'll go over this handout. And um, unless there's just a couple of serious questions, I want to um, remind us that this Sunday evening, as we go through our booklets, back to the Bible booklets, we'll be beginning with worship. Uh, in that booklet, and we'll be looking at music in the church there as well. And so this will be, in, this handout kind of will be in addition to what we discussed this Sunday evening. So we'll do this first. Um, notice these comments. Now, I think you know what a choir is. A choir is when a church will take, uh, select people from their congregation and put them in front and let them sing for the church. And then, of course, the solo is the solo. Praise team is like a choir in that, of course, this varies. But praise team will, be, will consist of men and women, and they'll stand up in front of a church and sing for the church. Or men and women will stand up in front of the church and lead the church in musical singing or musical productions. There's a variety of things that are done with, with praise team. Um, a praise team can also consist of a congregation taking uh, mics and uh, clipping them on to certain ones in the audience so that their voices will be raised higher than others. And that's basically the same thing as a praise team. And so uh, I think this is uh, the, the discussion with Paul um, actually uh, came from what Matt and Jennifer experienced. Uh, a while back, a few weeks ago, they went to a volleyball tournament with Kessler's team over Mississippi, and the church they went to on Sunday morning had some ladies sitting on the front row in the Church of Christ, and they had mics clipped on to just these ladies as everybody sang, but the mics were clipped on these ladies, elevating these ladies above others in the church. That's basically the same thing as a praise team. That ought not to be done whatsoever. And so let's look at some comments here. Number one, 
the singing passages, which are basically Ephesians 5, 18, and 19, if you want to be looking at those. Uh, the singing passages require that the entire congregation be participating at the same time. You see that, verses 18 and 19 of Ephesians 5. Don't be drunk with wine, but be filled. All of you uh, be filled with the Spirit. Speaking one to another, addressing one to another, speaking to yourselves in uh, psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. And then the other one over there in Colossians 3, 16, uh, teaching and admonishing one another uh, with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your heart unto the Lord. It doesn't take just a lot of thought to see that when the apostle says, uh, speak one to another, and you're addressing the congregation, these letters are addressing the church at Ephesus and the church at Colossae. Then when you're addressing the congregation and he says, um, address one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing. And this is, um, this is meant to be an activity that the whole congregation uh, is involved in. Not one individual uh, doing it for the rest, not a part of the assembly doing it for the rest other people, uh, but the whole congregation involved. It's not that um, there's, there is to be some singing by somebody at some point at assembly time. No, it is to be everybody when they're singing, everybody is to be uh, singing. Number two, the singing passages also uh, require an interchange of, act, of action, an interchange of activity. The activity mentioned here is, of course, the singing and the teaching and the admonishing in these singing passages. But what is meant here by the apostle is an interchange of activity. Speaking one to another is like a reciprocal phrase. Okay. In other words, if someone else is singing, you are to be singing. And if I am singing, then other people ought to be singing as well. God doesn't want part of the audience in singing to be active and part of the audience to be passive. He doesn't want one part of the segment of the congregation to be uh, singing and the other part uh, listening. He just doesn't want that. So that's why he brings these phrases in um, in this manner. Okay. So you see that here uh, from these passages. All right. Notice number three. Singing together is actually how Paul says we are to fulfill the command. Notice the command in Ephesians 5, 18. Don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. But now 18 and 19 go together. Be filled with the Spirit. How, how are we to be filled with the Spirit? Well, by speaking to yourselves... In psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart unto the Lord. So that's how we fulfill that command to be filled with the Spirit, at least in Paul's mind here in this passage. Okay. So that's how that is fulfilled. We don't worship by, well, I guess the word is proxy. Okay. We, don't worship, we don't worship for somebody, somebody else. And that's, that's what Paul is expressing here. If we, uh, if we would say that a segment of the church can sing for somebody else, then we would also uh, be allowed to say that a segment of the church can take the Lord's Supper for somebody else. 
or a segment of the church uh, could give of their money for someone else. And so we know that's not the case, and so it should not be the case uh, with singing uh, either. Just suppose that the men who are up here on Sunday morning uh, about to serve uh, the supper, suppose the, the one doing the first prayer says, now, we're not going to pass the emblems uh, today. We're going to take this, and this is going to be for the rest of you. And of course we would say, well, that's silly. Well, that's no more silly than a praise team standing up here in front of us and, and singing for us. Okay? That's no more silly than that. But, you know, suppose the guys up here at the table, when it comes time to take up the collection, they said, now, we're going to put our money in here. You don't have to do this. We are doing this for you. Okay. Now, some shallow people may say, well, great, great. That gets me, that gets me off the hook, right? Um, but that's. I can see where they get that. I know that we're not supposed to have solos. I mean, I understand the dogma and I believe it. But reading this paragraph, it says, speaking one to another in song. You're standing there speaking one to another of us. You're teaching. They're going to say, this tells me. No. Uh, okay, so you're saying they're going to parallel what I'm, what I would do in preaching, right. or, uh, praying. or praying. One man prays for all of us. Yeah. Why can't one person sing for all of us? I mean, I, I, how do we, how do you, we teach around that? Okay. Just because I say, well, it wasn't intended that way. Yeah. This type of phrase, this type of phrase, is not used in reference to um, to preaching in in worship. We have a, we have a word over in Acts twenty and verse seven where Paul preached all the way to midnight. Okay, so it just said that means he preached and others followed along as he preached. Okay, this is a phrase that is used primarily with singing, one to one another. Speaking one to another. If you were speaking with somebody, and you told, you later said, well, sup, you and Yvonne, suppose y'all go over to Cato and you eat, and later you tell somebody, yeah, we, we spoke to one another, we had a good conversation, then that would mean that both of you were speaking. And that's all that Paul means when he says, when you're singing, he wants, he wants all of you involved. Speaking one to another. Addressing one another. English Standard Version starts out verse 19 that says, Addressing one another. How do you address? In your singing. In your singing. So, who would the one another refer to 
Well, Paul's speaking to everybody at the church. He's speaking to everybody. Everybody at, who's involved, who's, who's reading this from the church at Ephesus, he's telling all of them that when you sing, well, all of you sing. All of you speaking one to another. All of you teaching and admonishing one another. All right? So, but good question. Good question. And Sheila, you're just going to have to impress upon them what is right. Okay. okay. And just don't, just don't give up. Number four, the Lord desires the congregation to sing as a unified body. I love Romans 15, so notice verse, Romans 15, verse 6, particularly, where it says that with one voice... Paul in Romans 15 is talking about how the Jews and Gentiles uh, were to and were coming together in the body of Christ. And he said the point of all this, uh, verse 6, is that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now that doesn't necessarily say singing there. He wants the congregations to be unified in everything they do. But it would include singing because look down in verse um, verse number 9 uh, he says in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy as it is written therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles and I'll sing to your name again it is said in scripture rejoice O Gentiles with his people verse 11 praise the Lord all you Gentiles and let all the people extol him okay. so with one voice would mean everything that we do, God wants us to be unified, but that would certainly include our singing. He wants everybody to be unified. He doesn't want uh, one voice or a few voices to be more prominent uh, on purpose than others. Okay? If, that, if that happens naturally, that's one thing, but God doesn't want us to purposely be um, elevating one or a few voices above everybody else. He wants the congregation to be unified in the scene. And that's the current. That's um, that's a, a, a that's a duty of the song later is to make sure the congregation is together. That he's leading them and that they're singing uh, together. So a song leader has not just the duty of starting a song and singing the song, but also listening to the audience. And so if the song leader can't hear the audience from the stage, what the song leader needs to come down and get among the people, whatever he needs to do to be able to hear, because God's intent is that we all sing together as a unified um, assembly. Okay. So notice that from Romans uh, chapter 15. And then we'll just mention this one in number five. Women are to never be in a leadership role in a mixed group, in any capacity, in any assembly of the church, or work thereof. Okay. I don't know how, that especially those of our brethren and sisters, begin to justify bringing a woman toward the front at a worship time, or even a mixed group of any sort. Um, somebody has been in their ear feeding them some things that are just not true. I don't know how they get to that point. But uh, that's well established in Scripture. First Timothy 2 is just one of the many passages uh, that would teach this. Okay. 
And number six, uh, Jesus uh, again and again, he taught against uh, any form of entertainment or individual prominence uh, in the worship of the church. You remember several of his remarks there in Matthew 6 where he over and over again he would say, do not do your righteousness to be seen of men. You Pharisees who stand on the corner of the street or stand in a particular place in the synagogue to do your prayers and you have all these vain repetitions, he was saying, shame on you because you're doing all this to be seen of men. And the Lord doesn't want any of that. Any of that. And so anything that smacks of individual glory, anything that's related to individual prominence, anything that's related to showmanship is to never be in uh, church. And so I don't know what else it would be when you have a couple men and a couple women standing up on stage with, with all holding their mics and they're beginning a religious song. Uh, that's just um, that's just showmanship. That's just it's just contrary to what the Lord ever had in mind. And so, uh, in addition to what Sheila was asking about, uh, anybody else got uh, something you want to add to these six uh, remarks? Okay. Who? Make it fast, sir. You had you had. Like if I, you had a lot of time Sunday night there. <laughs> you good, man. Go. I'm just playing with you. I'm playing with you. Go. What do you call it? Ambient. Yeah. We had a big discussion on this also at men's class Monday night. So, yeah. Go ahead.
so Taylor is quickly writing notes, is this scriptural? Can we understand? And then they were saying amen out loud. And there were just a number of things, you know, that gave teachable moments once we left. But I went to the ownership, and it was obvious they were engaged in good works because of the announcements that were made. And I was told that their membership had decided this was okay. And um, the scriptures I submitted were not the focus here. Right. So, so Ms. Phyllis is, um, is talking about an experience in Atlanta she had with basically praise teams and women involved. And she wrote to the, to the elders and they, they saw nothing uh, wrong with it. Um, Paul, to your point on what are they thinking, well, they're thinking they're going to they're slide this in, but one step at a time. That's why the women weren't standing up in that place in Mississippi. They, they put the mics on them to try to make that the first step, but eventually they want them to be in front of the, the church. Okay. So they know not everybody there is comfortable with it. That's why they're doing it as um, they're doing it. That has to do with an eldership that's trying to appease what they think is the majority. But their majority is the wrong one. The majority is God, not us and the Jews. Okay. So, trying to appease men instead of God. So, pleasing men instead of God. Okay. May I ask a question? Okay. Why are we training our young girls to lead singing and to give speeches that things like last week's movements? We're raising a whole generation Well, so you're thinking that might be a danger that's going to... Uh, I think that's why a lot of this is coming into the church. Okay. Mm. And I've, I've always tried to avoid that. Yeah. Well, you know, training a lady to, to lead singing doesn't necessarily mean that she's going to create a desire to, to violate God's will. Um, but there's always dangers in anything that you do. The devil loves to take something good and create something bad out of it. So I would say majority of people I know involved in lads and leaders are, are doing it for uh, the good intent of the will of God. Now, is that encouraging young girls to want to become leaders in the church, violating God's command in the future? Well, we don't really know that. Well, I do know some of the uh, directors of the last leaders, like Glenn Colley and Cindy. Well, Glenn Colley's one of the directors, and I know him very well. I know he would never even breathe a word about women having a leadership role in the church. So, and he's, he's involved in the last leaders and has been for years. So, you know Glenn from the West Huntsville Church? So, all right. Uh,
should step into leadership roles. That's you know, I think mistreated for a very long time. And I'm not gonna get into all of that, but rather just to say that they're under an influence and then inside the church, just like Susan said, we're kind of trying to teach them leadership roles. And as the generations, you know, grow up. Well, there is a there is a tremendous tremendous amount of pressure on the young girl because the it, it's not just one thing; it's the whole culture is that you should be just as a man in every facet of life. Okay. And what you guys are saying is because that's such a huge part of culture, then there's a danger of that coming into the church. Is that basic, that was, that's your basic point, right? Especially if a young lady is talented in a way of music. If she enjoys singing, if she loves to be involved in that, then there's where the danger could come in if we allow her to do that in the church. Well, yeah. Right. So, so uh, Sheila's saying that it's a particular danger if, you, if a young lady is particularly talented, say, in singing or reading or, or praying. But, you know, this, we've had talented ladies all throughout the history of the church. And, uh, but the times are different. But what I'm saying is... So Christy's saying, you know, I'm kind of interpreting here because we've got the live streaming. So, um, you know, uh, Christy's saying that it all begins in the home. And that's where, that's where most of your basic teaching is done. It's either it's going to be done there or it's not going to be done in the home. You know? And so, especially with our young ladies, it's not just, what I was trying to say, it's not just one thing. What about a young lady's role in society? What about her... What about her relationship to her husband? What about her role in the home? Okay. Society says, you know, you don't have to be in the home, ladies. You know, you, but that's where God says ladies are to do pri their primary work, especially when the children are at home. The mom is to be with the children. Now, what has our culture done to that? You know, pretty much eliminated that idea. They've left the house, and you're looked down upon sometimes because... You know, you can't do both. You can't do a mom and a public job. And, you, and, and it hasn't just happened over the last 30 years. It's, it's been coming upon us uh, for, for several generations. And now uh, young ladies are made to feel weird when they don't um, have a career, you know. And yet they're focused on what God says ought to be their primary 
focus. So is that kind of where you're going, Mr. Sister? Right? Is that that? Women will take over. I just okay. I just know that women will take over if you. My mother was forced to, to get to the workforce because yeah. of divorce. Yeah. You know, it would be grand if everybody could stay at home. Sure. Absolutely. There's a lot of factors in mom having to not be at home as much as she is. One thing is divorce. Another time is death, sickness. There's a lot of things, so there's no one, there's no one uh, scenario to place on everybody. But at the same time, culture is the devil is doing his work well. Yeah, and Paul says how much of that is greed, and that that is just you know that's that's um, each family has to kind of work out their own salvation in regard to what situation is facing them, but sometimes it can be greed, you know. We just we need to continue to impress upon our young ladies what God says about their life, what God is, wants from them, expects from them, and. Um, so, all right, Brother Jamie. What we got to look at is, is why do we want to go up to the edge of the cliff in everything? We know what the Bible says. It says the same, one another, but we want to, okay, we're going to have a praise team. So why do people want to get that close? And, and yeah, further and further. There was a man who who was uh, instrumental in doing a lot of destruction um, in the Church of Christ a couple of generations ago, named Rubel Shelley. I was reading what Rubel said. I was reading some of his remarks um, today, some things he's written recently, and. In regard, wherever he preaches now, somewhere in the Midwest, they have praise teams. But he says their reason was that they wanted to uh, be able to reach out to more people. And so uh, he felt like 
that God will be okay with them doing something that might not be exactly right in order for the greater good of reaching uh, more people. That's exactly what he said in that. And I've got a feeling that a lot of people follow him in that, in that remark, in that kind of thinking. Now that's not justified. There's no, he's not right in that. But I'm just saying, you're asking why do people who would be serving and worshiping correctly then begin to go to the edge? Why would they do that? Well, according to his thought, that's why they started doing it. Is that not adding to the word when you do that? Well, sure. Sure. There's no, just, there's no reason to do that. Exactly. No reason to do that. As we, as we studied in our evangelism workshop, there's no reason to compromise God's word. Just show them God's word. And I'd like to ask him how that worked out for him, too. How, how, how strong were Christians they produce by watering down the field? Yes, that would be. Certainly not feeding any meat. Right. Okay. That was Max Licato? That was Max About the same idea. Nancy's trying to take over. Nancy's trying to take over. Okay. But same idea, same, same focus. To swap a pulpit with a denominational preacher. Okay. All right. So, well. I want, I want to say something as an elder. We took a stance at Christmas right here with this congregation because a lot of churches in this area won't. There were local churches that promoted Christmas as a religious holiday because they thought it was a good means to an end. We disagree with that. I announced that we disagree. That's exactly the kind of thing we're talking about. But it falls on the eldership like James said. They have to stand up against it. Too many don't want to. They're scared. They're scared of the congregation. I love y'all. I'm not scared of them. I can teach you things wrong as long as we can have it. But that's the thing that eldership's got to do. And they don't have the nerve to do it, folks. That's what's happening. Well, it's not just the, the elders. The ideal is that the congregation be well informed to where it doesn't fall down to the decisions of the elders. The congregation wouldn't stand for it in the first place. You've got to be holding up your elders. Yeah. Yeah. The elders make the bad decisions, except the congregation will write that shit. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. The, elder, the congregation, we want our goal as a congregation to be informed so much so that it wouldn't even be thought of uh, to be done here or anywhere. You know. Yeah, but the elders only have authority as far as God's word goes. Yeah. As long as we're following, uh, as long as they're following God's word, we follow them. Yeah. They have some latitude in matter of opinion, and we understand it. But when they stop following God's word, 
And God tells us for our own salvation. We, we, we're supposed to stand up too. Yeah. You know, we can't put it on others. Oh, they love us that way, so we just did. We can't do that. Yeah. Take responsibility for our own self. And that may very well be in some of the congregations that they, they begin to rely too heavily on their eldership. And so when the eldership began to get weak, they still said, well, they, they think it's okay, then we're going to think it's okay. You know, that, that's why you need a well-educated, Bible-educated congregation um, so that you will always be strong. That's not a good practice at all in either in either whatsoever. So I appreciate you saying that. So, but you know, Jesus spoke, you know, about that kind of thing. He doesn't want that kind of individual prominence in his congregation. Bopping with his mouth? Yes. And he, they told us when Sam talked to him, he said, Well, you know, I'm using he's using his mouth, so yeah. it's you know, yeah. it's okay. So we're like, mm. Yeah, that should that should have made you uncomfortable. And it did, didn't it? 